Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not the benefits of the Lord. He saved me from all my iniquities. He heals me from all my diseases. He satisfies my mouth with good things. I will bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the name of the Lord. Good morning greater little Zion. I greet you in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Thank you to your pastor, uh, my friend, a man who I appreciate for just who he is. He challenges me to be better. And so I'm thankful for Dr. Murphy for opening the door and giving me a yes to come and a kind invitation. Uh, I thank my sister for coming with me. We are sisters in the Lord, but we got the same mama and the same daddy. So we really, she really is my sister. <laughs> she is the youngest of eight. And I thank God for how she counts it not robbery. I don't ask her. The Lord put it on her heart to encourage and come with me when she can. And she's busy in ministry also. Thank you for the music this morning. This is best, bless my soul. And I honor my pastor in his absence, Dr. Torian, also. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to try to fulfill my assignment for this morning's service. And I see some members from First Mount Zion. Thank you for getting up early this morning to be here. Gracious God, we thank you for the privilege to stand before your people. This is the day you have made. We rejoice, and we are glad in it. So now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, I've done the study, but I need your Holy Spirit. I've done the preparation, but I need your power. Speak, Lord, now so that your servant will hear and your people will be blessed. In the name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you would go with me to the book of John, chapter 4, I'll be reading verse 13 and through 15, but really kind of capturing that whole story of the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. We're familiar with that. I know your pastor. And I know good Bible studying people when I see them, but for the sake of time, our focus verse will be verse 13 through 15. And if it's your custom to stand, please stand for the hearing of and reading of the word. Hear the word of the Lord according to John chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The word of the Lord to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Verse 15, and then in the spirit of Women's History Month, too, I think it's appropriate that we visit Samaritan, this Samaritan woman. 15, again, says the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw. And with that thought in mind, please pray with me on the sermonic topic this morning, the best drink I ever had. The best drink I ever had. Today, by way of the text, according to the Gospel of John, 
we traveled with Jesus to the town of Samaria. He is on his way to Jerusalem. The shortest route from Jerusalem to Galilee was by way of a high road straight through Samaritan territory. Many Jews would not travel through this territory for they considered contact with the Samaritans to defile a Jew and make them ceremoniously unclean. The animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans were intense, mainly because the Jews considered the Samaritans as a mixed, unclean people due to their intermarrying with Gentiles after the Assyrian War and their disagreement on the true location for the temple of worship. If this was today, the Samaritans and the Jews would be arguing over what side of the border wall they would have to stay on. The Samaritans built a temple in Gezerin, and the Jews built their temple in Jerusalem. So this rift between the two groups was so great that although traveling through Samaria was the most direct direct route to Galilee, most Jews would take the eastern route on the other side of the Jordan, even though it extended their journey for three more days. Now, I don't know about you, but with all the modes of transportation we have today, and with navigation systems and travel apps like Waze and Maps and using a GPS giving me the fastest, most direct route, I still would not want to travel a route that would take me three days longer to get to my appointed destination just because I don't like somebody. It's sad to say, but racism, misogyny, bias, and prejudice characterizes our world still today. It is a painful, ugly reality without merit. And the only answer, the only cure for the world is the love of Christ for all and through all. Now that singing diva Diana Ross would say it like this. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. But because Jesus was on a mission to seek and to save the lost, Verse 4 begins with, now he had to go through Samaria. This was God's purpose and God's plan. Jesus' travel itinerary may have been governed by geographical expediency, but his stop in Samaria was governed by salvific necessity. Sychar was a small town about half a mile from Jacob's well. It was here that Jesus, thirsty and tired from his journey, sat down by the well at about noon. The Bible says at noonday is when the Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water, which was unusual because it was the hottest time of the day when the sun was high and traditionally most women came early in the morning in the cool of the day the, in groups to draw water, but this woman came alone. Now her timing seemed strange, and there has been speculation over the centuries as to why she was there alone, that she was shunned by the other women. I know you know the story because of her reputation, that she was an outcast, 
that she was ashamed. She had low esteem. But we really don't know for sure because the text does not tell us why. But whatever the reason, she was in the right place at the right time to meet Jesus and her life would never be the same. Jesus, Jesus initiated a conversation with the woman who down through the years, pastor, I believe has been preached and described in commentaries as an immoral woman. But this conversation was worth the risk and it was a conversation worth having. Here, here is Jesus, the one who is the mighty God, Jesus, the one who is everlasting Father, Jesus, the one who is Prince of Peace, Jesus, the one who is fully God and fully man, sitting weary, tired, and thirsty from his journey, but had no way to draw water, for the Bible says the well was deep. It was about 75 to 100 feet deep. Therefore, Jesus makes a simple but heavy request of this woman. Will you give me a drink, he asked. The woman was surprised. After all, no Jewish rabbi worth his salt would be caught talking to a woman in public, Samaritan or otherwise, and definitely not drinking from her cup. Even she knew that. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and I'm a woman. And in her mind, she was probably thinking, that's already two strikes against me. So how can you ask me for a drink? But I believe Jesus was looking for more than water. Jesus wanted a witness. So Jesus flips the script on her and asks her the question, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This living water was fresh water. This living water was life-giving water. But this conversation was going right over her head as she was thinking of the natural when Jesus was speaking of the spiritual. It is amazing to me that Jesus, in her view, had nothing to draw with. And she was right. But what she failed to realize was Jesus was the drawer and the water all in one. This is still true today. Jesus, who is the drawer and the water says, and if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And in this exchange of dialogue, she fails to realize that she was the one who was really thirsty and she was the one that really needed the drink. She needed her spiritual thirst quenched by the eternal thirst quencher. And in verse 13, Jesus moves her attention from the greatness of Jacob's well and water that provides a temporary solution to her thirst and the need to draw and drink. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give, they will never thirst again. The water from the well was temporary, but this water Jesus gives is permanently satisfying. Drawing water from the well was hard work. That's why the women went in groups so they could help each other. But this living water from the one who is the living water would be bubbling up from within and give eternal life. Her reply to Jesus, sir, 
give me this water so that I will not be thirsty again and have to keep on coming back to this well. Yet again, she misses the intent, Pastor, for she was excited about the possibility of not having to come back to the well to draw water. She makes the right request, brothers, but for the wrong reason. Church, how many of you know that thirst will make you do strange things. Thirst will make you see and say strange things. A prolonged thirst will lead to physical dehydration and eventually death if it's not satisfied. But to drink suggests there is a part humanity must play because drinking suggests receiving from the Lord. Do I have a witness? Therefore, Jesus reveals to her her need to drink because she's thirsty. Jesus tells her to go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus' request to her was proper and strategic. It was proper because we, said, we say in the text earlier, it was not proper for a woman to talk to a man unless her husband was present. But it was strategic because it put her in a position where she could see how thirsty she really was. She had no husband. The truth of the matter was she had five husbands. And she was living with a man that was not her husband at the time. I know you know the story. My brothers and sisters, may I suggest to you that I believe this woman often gets a bad rap. Because the reality was there were many possible reasons for her marital history. Some which could have been beyond her control because during this time in biblical history, it was the man who could divorce the woman. And the Bible does not elaborate on her history. And someone once said to me, remember, in the absence of information, people will just make stuff up. But what we do know is how many husbands she had and her present living arrangements were questionable. Regardless of the reason, the reality of her thirst and her need to drink of the living water had finally come to light. During this conversation, Jesus arrested her attention. When he began to get in her business, this thing was getting a little too personal and a little too close for comfort. The dryness of her life was being exposed and her thirstiness caused her to attempt to divert the conversation to other religious issues. You know how we do. We, we don't want to talk about things we need to talk about. But when you're thirsty, in the spiritual sense, Thirst will blind your eyes to the things of, of God. When you're thirsty, thirst will defend, deafen your ears to the voice of God. When you're thirsty, thirst will steal your joy. When you're thirsty, thirst will rob you of your peace. When you're thirsty, thirst will kill your spirit, ruin your life when you're thirsty. Therefore, as I sat with the text, and as the writer of this gospel drew me into the conversation, I said, I keep on thinking as I was reading, she's so thirsty. All she needs to do is take a drink of the living water. The living water will quench her thirst. And in the end, when she received the living water and she figured out she was thirsty no more, as a matter of fact, 
The Bible says she left her watering pot running to the town to tell the people to come see a man who told me everything I ever did because she had just had the best drink she ever had. But her story begs the question, church, with her reputation with men, what made this time different for the people of the town? She said, come see a man at my request. Uh, after all, she had a reputation with men. Maybe it was that she didn't look like she used to. Maybe she didn't act like she used to. Maybe it was because she wasn't thirsty anymore. I hear my ancestors say it like this. I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. Maybe it's because she had had a drink of the living water and she wasn't thirsty anymore. For the Bible says Jesus stayed two more days in the town teaching and preaching and giving living water to a thirsty town all because a woman came and had the best drink she ever had. So in the natural, there are many drinks that are considered the best drinks depending on the location. And you know me, so I went to CNN and they had compiled and what they considered the best of 50 drinks in the world. And I wanna share a few with you because I'm preaching about the best drink. So if you're in India, it is the mango lassi. And if you're in Australia, it is a cold red bull. But if you're in Cuba, the word, in the words of Beyonce, you be drinking, you be drinking a mojito. If you like pina coladas, you're in Puerto Rico. And in Ethiopia, it is coffee. In Ireland, it is the Guinness, and that's a beer. In Germany, it is Fanta Orange. In England, it's cider, not tea. And in Scotland, they drink scotch. In Mexico, they'd be throwing back tequila shots, brothers. And in France, it is the diamond of all drinks, champagne. In the United States, it's a martini, and I'm told some like it's shaken and some like it's stirred. But I tell you this, globally around the world, I don't care how thirsty you are, I don't care what drink you have, when you're really thirsty, when you're really thirsty, all you want is some good old H2O. Water for everybody. So the lesson in this story is that Jesus was seeking a sinner who wasn't seeking him. Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He saved a thief on the cross. He saved a chief sinner who was persecuting the church. He saved a thirsty Samaritan woman, and he has saved you and I. Do I have a witness? Are you glad about it? No one is excluded from the offer of the gift. All we have to do is receive. No one is excluded from the offer to drink. All we have to do is come. For Jesus said, come unto me all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The gift of living water. Jesus offers satisfies the thirsty soul for eternity. The gift of living water gives us joy unspeakable. The gift of living water 
is a divine provision. The gift of living water gives unfailing love. The gift of living water is loving kindness and tender mercies. New mercies, not leftover. New mercies every morning. And the gift of living water is sufficient grace and abundant love. Jesus, the eternal thirst quencher. Jesus, the living water. Jesus, the rose of Sharon. Jesus, my bright and morning star. Jesus, the lily of the valley. Jesus, my battle axe in a time of war. I love to call him for his name is sweet. And I love to call him because he is the best drink I've ever had. Do you know him today? Is he all right? Is he worthy of the praise? Hallelujah. He is the best drink. He is the best drink. So when you're thirsty, don't run to the cabinet and pull out a bottle. When you're thirsty, don't run to the liquor store. When you're thirsty, go to the word of God and drink deeply of the living water. And I'm a witness that you'll never thirst again. This is the word of God. To the people of God, put your hands together and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The best drink. Hallelujah. The best drink. No hangovers with the best drink. No upset stomach with the best drink. No ibuprofen with the best drink. I'm drunk all right, but I'm drunk with the new wine, which is the Holy Ghost. God bless you. To God be the glory. Jesus is the best drink I've ever had.